Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a home decor overspender. Hi, Joe. I made a breakthrough. I found HomeSense. It's unreal. So many brand name sofas. I bought one. Oh, wow, really? It's okay. Yeah. The price is so low. Lighting, unexpected. Rugs, handcrafted. Wall art, eclectic. I go back like every week. <gasps> no, it's always different. New unique decor, same great savings. Every time you go. Field trip. HomeSense, standout pieces, outstanding prices. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by my brother, Kelvin Cox. If you too want to sponsor the podcast, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox experience. That's patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox experience. There's free shows. There's plenty of content on there you can check out. Just go in there and check it out. It all starts at just a dollar. Peace. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I am your host, Delvin Cox, and on the podcast this week I have a special guest. Let him know who you are, brother. Hi, my name is David Cranston, and I'm the writer and creator of Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting name for a book and an awesome idea. <laughs> the- yes. All right. As always, we'd like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. David, are you ready? I'm ready. Cool. Question number one. What is the best album you've listened to in the past year? I really, uh, the internet. No, the, 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 that's the name of the group, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing front woman, R&B singer. Her name is Sid. Her group is called The Internet. I forget. Damn, I forget the name of their album <laughs> because I've just been listening to their song. Anywho, just get the internet. I think the album is called uh, Hold On. And it, it, it is amazing and it is chill. Like, okay, this is for the culture and black, like, this is the thing black people only know. If you are cleaning your house or apartment and you are playing, if you're cleaning your house to like a soundtrack <laughs> or like, like a whole album, like that is an insane compliment <laughs> from black culture. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. I do it to Anita Baker. <laughs> so. yeah, it's true. I think my, my parents, it was like gospel music all day. Me, it's like, okay, I, I will clean my house to outcast and uh, childish Gambino. Lots of lots of Atlanta people I'm noticing in, in my musical choice. And uh Tupac and who else? Who else? Uh Tribe Called Quest and Bone Thugs in Harmony. Well those are some good choices. And Dr. Dre. All right, I've just added Thank you. the internet to my playlist. So I'll definitely be checking that out. You're welcome. Thank you later. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Question. Number two, give me your top five favorite superheroes. Okay, my top five favorite superheroes are, this is, this is a shock to everyone. Number one is Superman. Number two, Spider-Man. Number three, Batman. Number four, 
Daredevil. Number five, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. <laughs> you went with the classics. Those are some good choices. Thank you. Nope. Yo, yo, no one says Superman. I get, like, mad about that. Everyone's like, he's boring. He sucks. I'm like, no, Superman's the best superhero because he just decides to save. Oh, uh, he just decides. I was going to curse. I don't know if I can curse on this. You can say whatever you want to say. Oh, good. Superman saves motherfuckers because he, like, feels like it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's the right thing to do. Like, Batman has to, like, you know, suffer trauma. And, and, like, Spider-Man has to act selfishly and get get bad karma for acting selfishly. Uh, I love Miles, but Miles exists because Peter Parker has to die. My my favorite version of Miles Morales, Peter Parker has to die for Miles to become Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, and uh, what's it called? Same thing, Daredevil. There has to be some type of tragedy. Clark is like, you know what? You know, I can, like, the way I see Superman is like, like, you know, Delvin's like, you're an adult, right? Obviously, you're an adult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a room filled with children... And another adult who's just as strong as you comes into that room and is like, I'm going to kill all these children. Are you going to be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to stop you because uh, someone had to die. My parents died, so I'm going to stop you. You're like, um, no, I'm just as strong as this other adult. <laughs> so let me kick this <laughs> dude's ass. Like, that's super bad. <laughs> that's a good because- point. Yeah, like it's because it's just the right thing to do. It's it's this also the same, you know, like I, I write Harriet Tubman under that same philosophy, and hilariously, Harriet Tubman and uh, does that like real life Harriet Tubman. Forget my comic for a second. Harriet Tubman's like, okay, I feel like I've been spoken to by God to do this. So I'm going to do this because it's wrong for my people to suffer like this. So we, we out like literally I like that t-shirt is around that says we out and Harriet Tubman and quotations and we all laugh at it, but I'm like, yo, she probably said that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I I like the Superman answer because it's the same concept of one of my favorite superheroes, Captain America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, go to my Instagram when you have a second. I, I got this artist to do some pinup of, like, it's a mashup of Harriet Tubman wearing, like, a Captain America uh, <laughs> suit. <laughs> well, that's dope. That's awesome. Well, yeah, that's so we're going we're gonna, to, I think my publisher and partner, uh, Chocolate City Comics, where we're making T-shirts and hoodies out of that shit. So buy it. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's definitely good. I'm going to have to check that out. Thank uh, you. Question number three. What was the dumbest thing you've done as a kid? Uh, the, dumb, the dumbest thing I've done as a kid? Uh, damn, there's so many. Um, the, the, the dumbest? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest thing, I think... Uh, the dumbest, the dumbest, oh, hold up, we got to think about that shit for a second. Uh, the dumbest <laughs> thing that, that I have done as a child, um, I think I tried to, I think I tried to cut my own hair. 
<laughs> oh, I can imagine how that turned out. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, 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 it turned out with me being an eight-year-old bald man. Uh, that, that's what that turned out. It turned out with me uh, bald, and, uh, you know, I got made fun of for, for having a bald head uh, for a little bit, but whatever. Um, and, and, you know, m- most black people, m- most black men – like look great with a bald head, not my ass. I don't have that Luke Cage shape. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will forever always need to have like a fade, like 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 a skin tight fade is the closest I can get to being bald. That's it. Like like there must always be hair on top of this head. The the lowest we can go is like this is barber verbiage. The lowest we can go is at a two and a half, and that is it. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, I can relate to that because when I was younger, my grandmother decided to give me a mohawk like Mr. T. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, man, I hope you took pictures of that and, like, you should have pictures of that and make that, like, your profile picture. <laughs> I got to see if I can find it, but yeah, it, it did not turn out good at all, to say the least. <laughs> oh, man. Man, it was quite the haircut. <laughs> Question number four. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Coke. Okay. Most people pick Coke because they, they can mix it in their drink. So I can't be mad at that at all. Wait, 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 why, why do people pick Coke mostly? Because they can mix it in their drink. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think everyone usually... I, I just pick Coke because, I don't know, it's like, 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 like the, the sugar just tastes, like, better. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, 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 there's a funny-ass thing where, like, Dave Chappelle... Like makes a joke where he like he's like oh when I was young I did I did I've done two different commercials one for Coke and one for Pepsi I think he said something like Pepsi paid me more so it tastes better or some shit <laughs> he's like I don't care <laughs> yeah. he's like I don't care I, I think Coke just has kind of a better business model like they're in every single um, they're in every single like door in Pepsi is just—I just see them on cups a lot. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you kind of see Coke in almost every restaurant and stuff like that. Only place I know that has Pepsi like Taco Bell and KFC. Yeah, and, and like listen, when you go out, like, like when I like ask what drinks they have, like at, at a restaurant or whatever. Like, I, like they—they they always say we have root beer, we have Coke, we have Diet Coke. Like, I have never heard. Someone say we got Pepsi diet. I've never heard that in my life, um, and, I, and I think Pepsi is in trouble because of that stupid Kendall Jenner commercial. And they just like went away forever. Yeah, that's that's their second strike. Their first strike was uh burning Michael Jackson hair. I, yeah, exactly. Yo, 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 that's the thing. <laughs> Yo, the you know Pepsi is not for the black community. <laughs> <laughs> you messed up, like like before the Obamas. It was the Jacksons was our first family. 
Yes, very true. <laughs> you bird, you burned our gods' hair. <laughs> I remember that specifically, man. That was wild. Yeah, like I, I think, like may he rest in peace when, when Michael Jackson died. But they released like the like the footage of his hair like catching fire and stuff. And I I'm like, that. yo, wow, and and the freak. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is like hella inappropriate and kind of petty, but I think when it was released on YouTube, um, someone made like a, a YouTube account for Coca-Cola and someone just commented underneath it and just said, Hey, you know, that's what happens when you sign with Pepsi or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like that, that's hilarious, but extreme, extremely inappropriate. But I'm like, damn, that's hilarious. Yes. I feel kind of, I feel like, like I'm like Mike, I'm I'm like ah, Jesus forgive me, but like that that that's like really funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it be those those controversial jokes that get you. I was like, yeah, you have to. I'm like, man, you have to say all that, but I'm like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> funny. All right. Question number five. It's gonna be a fun one. Okay. All good. Okay. Thanos is coming to take over Earth. You can pick five superheroes, any superheroes you want to stop him. Who are you picking? Shit, Thanos is coming. Okay, yo, we need someone who is mentally like Thanos is extremely smart. You're gonna need two like smart ass people. Actually, fuck that. You're, yeah, I think you need three really smart people and only a few strong people to like kill this motherfucker. Yes. So I'm picking Batman. I'm okay. picking Iron Man, Reed Richards, um, and like when it comes to like brute strength and magic, you're gonna need Superman for like that brute strength, and you're gonna need Doctor Strange. Like 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 that's who I'm rocking with. Because um, Doctor Strange, we we were all laughing and making jokes, uh, and then this movie came out, and then we were like, oh okay, and then Doctor Strange. Like hit us with that damn like Naruto moves in Infinity War. Oh, that was and, amazing. Like, yeah, man. Like, like you know, I was like, yo, he like, like, is actually whooping his ass a little bit. He was, he was like winning <laughs> that that <laughs> fight for a minute. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Like, he was giving Thanos like, like, like freaking had, had Thanos on the ropes, mate. Like Tony, Tony Stark made Thanos bleed, but. Doctor Strange made Thanos sweat. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Like, I, I love that movie so much, man. It's so awesome. Yeah, man. Freaking. But do, do you like Endgame or Infinity War more? I think Infinity War is a better movie. But really? I think I like Endgame better because Endgame has better scenes. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've been hearing that. I've been hearing that a lot. A lot of my friends are like, "Yo, I like, I like it. I appreciate Endgame. I like Infinity War uh, better because it's much more entertaining, and you know, it's like the first time we're seeing kind of everyone together. And I, I kind of like them both equally because they both need each other. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> like, but like, I only like Endgame like the, just a little bit better because I have never gone that like you know 
but like I've never been that like loud, crazy person in a theater. Like, you know, when Captain America caught that hammer and then like dead ass silence in the theater and just said, assemble. I just like, yo, <laughs> man, I like missed five minutes of the movie. <laughs> that is, like, 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 yeah. That's one of my favorite moments in movie history. That old, see, that, the second half of Endgame is an incredible experience. From the moment yes. the hawk snaps to the moment Cap gives the shield of Falcon. It's just unforgettable. Yeah, man. Like, like, like it's, it's a, like a really strong emotional, like, payoff. Like, you know, when Cap is even, like, we, like, like, I didn't know. I thought the movie was going to end with um, Steve and Tony and Thor fighting. Uh, I thought it was just gonna be like a quiet little thing. It was going to be the three of them fighting Thanos, and they beat Thanos, end of the movie. That's how I thought the movie was going to end. I'm like, I'm like yeah, like, they, they already said none of the other actors are in this movie. Like, like my dumbass believed them. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, they'll probably all show up at the end of the movie that, that they're all back. And that'll be that. But it was like, it was like, no motherfucker. So I was like, oh no. I'm like, like, I was really with them. I'm like, I'm like, oh no. Like, like, you, you was like, I know it's a Disney movie and like they have to win. But I was like, I was like, when, when Steve like lost and was getting beaten up by Thanos and like Tony is knocked out, Thor is knocked out and it's just Captain America by him. Yes. And then Thanos like, yo, I got my whole army, bitch. <laughs> and like calls his, <laughs> his whole army. I'm like, oh no. I, like it is the first time I'm like, oh shit. I, like, I'm like worried. I'm like, okay, maybe it's gonna like I'm like, oh fuck, how's this movie gonna end now? <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Um I'm like, oh no. I'm like, okay, maybe like Hulk is gonna is gonna come out of nowhere and like use the glo- I'm like, fuck, what's gonna happen? And then when like well, well, Negro, you know you were there. Um, <laughs> freaking, um, freaking Sam is like Cap and Sam. I was like, oh no, oh no! <laughs> it was so cool. Freaking scream, scream! That that damn circle turning around in the background. I was like, oh no! Where did he do it? <laughs> I felt I, I like I saw that movie by myself. Cause all my other friends uh, got off of work late and they were just tired. And I was like, I'll have work the next morning until I think I, I only had a half a day at, at my job. So I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to see it at like 11 o'clock and I don't work till 4 PM. So it's fine. Um, actually, no, I think I, re- I requested Friday off. So I'm like, okay, so I went to go, I went to go see it by myself. Uh, and it was it was actually completely sold out in my state um, until wow. like yeah it was completely sold out and the only available ticket I would have to drive to Philadelphia if I wanted a ticket and I'm like Ugh. I'm like man I guess I'll wait till next week and the only reason why I was able to see the movie was because the only thing playing in theaters was Avengers Endgame and La Llorona or some shit, some horror movie. <laughs> and the, the theater was like, no one's going to see this bullshit. <laughs> Let's turn La Llorona into like another Avengers Endgame uh, theater showing. 
So they, they weren't playing any movies. They turned everything into exclusively Avengers Endgame for that day. And, uh, and I was like, shit, <laughs> there, there was only eight seats left. Like, it became available, and there was only eight seats left. This theater seats, like, 45 people. So I was like, okay, let, let me get my shit together. And I, I, like, bought it in five minutes, and that was that. And, uh, but yeah, man, big, big-ass movie, you're right. <laughs> yeah, man. I went with my kids, and it was amazing watching it with them because they were screaming and jumping for joy, and, the audience was live and hyped for it. It's something I would never forget. Yeah, man. Woo! <laughs> like, 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 I, I, I miss movie theaters just for that reason. Um, like, like it is. I mean, I'm smart. Like, like it's not. I don't think it's safe to go to a theater just, just yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> like, like yo. Know, I, I really like you know. I really want to see Tenet, but like I don't know if I want to like risk my life yet <laughs> to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. So let everybody know a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you. Oh, say it again. I said let everybody know a little bit, a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you. Okay, yeah, so uh, my name is David Crownson. Um, I'm a writer and an actor and um, filmmaker. I'm originally born and raised in New Jersey. Um, my parents are originally from Ghana, West Africa. Uh, I was born and raised here in America, though. Um, like Superman, <laughs> even though I was born <laughs> on Krypton. On Krypton, I, I still appreciate my roots, but I also embrace my American roots as well. Um, <laughs> born and raised in New Jersey, most American state or one of the more American states or whatever. Um, grew up loving comic books and superheroes, was mainly a fan of it. I never thought I would make a comic book, um, uh, like a creator-owned book. I just was like, oh, my dream is to write a Spider-Man comic or, and get hired by Marvel. You know, I never thought about making my own uh, comic on that scale because at the time in the 90s all the best people drew their comics and wrote them and I'm like I can't draw for shit um, <laughs> I, I can't draw to save my life I can write a story and hire a really good artist to draw that story um, but that's about that's pretty much it so uh, so yeah I um, yeah, originally born and raised in New Jersey, uh, grew up loving comics and was on the pursuit to do theater and to do acting. And uh, I still act whenever I can. If I, you know, do a short film or independent film um, or do some theater, but mainly now I've been, all my attention and focus has been on this little comic book that I created called Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. And uh, yeah, kind of created it uh, just for fun. Um, and then I'm like, okay, like maybe this can be the thing. And I, again, it was just, I was just doing it for fun because I love storytelling and, and comics. Um, and, uh, then we had a certain person become president, uh, and I got really inspired to make the comic, uh, just because around that time, you know, being fascist and being a racist was being celebrated 
and emboldened. And I'm like, no, if you're a racist, you should kind of feel bad about yourself. And you should be scared if you're going to, like, operate like that loudly in public. You know, so I'm like, I was like, this. so the comic was, at first it started as just a fun thing, but then it was kind of like a fuck you middle finger to <laughs> to all the change and darkness in the world. Um, mainly, and I was just, again, inspired because there's something a friend of mine said about Harriet Tubman, where it's the rule that makes Harriet Tubman special is because of who she is in the face of adversity and in the, in the face of ultimate like white supremacy, like who are you going to become? And, you know, she became a person of, of, uh, of leadership through her love and passion for her own people and, uh, standing against us being um, lower than, less than, and being murdered and, and being um, looked at as like property and uh, not having any humanity. And she was like, no, we are people. We are equal. We bleed too. So you're going to free us. If not, okay, I will risk my life and I will make sure thousands of us are led to freedom because we're not doing this. <laughs> So. That's, awesome. That's awesome. Let me ask you this. Where did your love for comic books come from? Uh, it came from my dad. My dad, um, when I was a kid, he, he bought me a graphic novel. He brought it home. He was like, hey, have you heard the news? Superman's dead. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was six years old. My dad bought me this extremely violent comic book called The Death of Superman. <laughs> and it's, you know, Superman basically being beaten to death is what's happening. Um, and I was like, and, and I, you know, I was six years old, but I like, I like read it and like loved it. And that was my first introduction to Superman was like, he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and then they made a bunch of other volumes continuing that story, like world without Superman and eventually the return of Superman. And um, yeah, that, that's what got me into it. And then I started to read, uh, you know, got into reading Batman, not just watching like the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton movies or like the uh, Joel Schumacher, may he rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. Um, looking at that, like I kind of fell in love with Batman through the animated series and, uh, and then, and then the comics. Um, so yeah, like all, all these kids are reading like children's book, babysitters club, Bearsting bears, or, you know, Nancy drew. I'm like reading like, you know, the dark Knight returns and like these like hard ass books. And my parents don't know how violent these books are. Cause they're like, Oh, okay. It's cartoons, but it's, but it's the dark Knight returns by Frank Miller. And it's like prostitutes and like blood and Batman breaking people's arms and shit. Um, so my parents had no idea at first <laughs> that I was reading like really violent things. I think my dad was like, Hey, Superman said <laughs> they killed him. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> man, like, like that was a big deal like it was all it was on the news it was on cnn <laughs> i remember that i remember all that yeah because it, it was it was like they killed like a like a person like like superman dying got as much coverage as princess diana dying like that's how big it was in the news it happened around it happened around the same time as princess dies uh a car car accident which led to her death. Um, 
it was like it was like the like the same it was like the same thing because that's that never happened before in comics where they like like the like the lead character is murdered, um, and it it was like a big deal. I think it was one of like the highest selling comic books. Um, yeah, of the of the decade next to like I think Jim Lee's X Men. Uh, it, it it also kind of hurt comics in a way because like you know Superman came back, so now like death was like cheapened. Like I I think the only person in comics who has stayed dead is like. Uh, before the only people that stayed dead were like Gwen Stacy and Uncle Ben and Bruce Wayne's parents, but they brought like they brought Bruce Wayne's parents back in an alternate thing, and Gwen Stacy is back in an alternate universe. The only person who is for now <laughs> for now that has stayed dead is Uncle Ben until like Marvel's like, all right, we're going to an alternate universe where Peter died. And Uncle Ben got bit by the spider and decides to be Spider-Man. No, I want to read that shit. Um, <laughs> they, they better not do that shit. I'll be so angry. Like, like, like Aunt May becomes the Green Goblin, and 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 Uncle Ben decides to become Spider. Like, I'll be so angry. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Did you ever get a chance to read any of the Milestone stuff? Yeah, I read. I remember Milestone. I, the only thing that I've read from Milestone was Static. Because um, as a kid, like, that's the only one that I, I related to. And I, I heard, I had, how did I hear? I heard about Milestone because my dad, he saw that I was buying a bunch of DC comics. So he got me, like, a history of DC books. And uh, this is when Milestone, like, had just got introduced and they put, like, in the, DC Comics, like, history thing that, you know, Milestone, you know, black-owned imprints and stuff, and I'm like, and Dwayne McDuffie. So I'm like, and the one that I fell in love with and connected with the most was Static. So I was like, Dad, I want Static. And my dad, like, went and just bought me a bunch of Static comics. Um, and uh, I think <laughs> I didn't love his costume at first, but I just thought he was... I, I just liked that he was a kid and he was around my age. Um, everyone else I kind of like had, and I didn't really didn't gravitate to as much. And then they made a static TV show and I was yes. like, Oh shit, it was a static TV show. Um, it, 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 it was like a little bit corny, but I'm like, whatever, like we need that shit. I need this. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> yes. that masterpiece, that masterpiece son sings the song. I don't care. <laughs> I remember that. Like, I haven't, yeah, cause, because, like, we, we've never seen, like, like that's why I'm kind of, like, a little bit jealous of these kids now. Because, like, uh, like we've never really, because these kids are growing up with, they got to have Black Panther and Miles Morales in the same year as a movie. And, yeah. you know, like, I think Black Panther, I remember seeing it as a kid. But I always was like, uh, I, I, and maybe this is a little bit of Marvel's fault, but they they always drew Black Panther like similar to like Batman and Spawn a little bit, and then they kind of like I kind of like how he looks now the best. Um, I agree because they yeah they gave him like like his, his uh, yeah I, I think now it's like because it feels like a definitive like this is Black Panther now like oh we're trying to do Batman. 
we're trying to do Spawn, like, where we're making him look like an actual panther, an actual animal, and giving him his own distinctive look. And, because uh, before it was just like, solid black thing, <laughs> solid black thing, and, you know, a Batman mask-looking thing. But now he, like, has his own, like, uh, like, uh, specific thing that's like, okay, that's Black Panther. And they've really invested in his design and in his aesthetic and in his look. Um, and now he's like extremely popular. We're like, it's obnoxious, but like, okay, cool. Like I see white kids who are trick or treating and they're dressed as like, I saw this white boy who was like dressed as Shuri. And I was like, he came trick or treating in my neighborhood. And he was like trick or treat, and he's dressed as a white boy, <laughs> a white boy, um, and he's wearing like Shuri, uh, like a Shuri costume with like the panther gauntlets. And uh, I don't think he he, he wasn't in blackface. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't in blackface. He just had like a panther uh, gauntlet, and he had like her vest, and he had like the pants with like the high skirt uh, thing. And he had like dots on his face. He didn't do anything with hair or anything crazy. <laughs> he just like, he just was like, I'm like, Hey man, who are you supposed to be? And he's like, Oh, my, one of my favorite characters from my favorite Marvel movie. And I'm like, which is, and his white parents gave me a dirty look. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I need this. <laughs> um, and then he's like, Black Panther. and then I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, give me a Wakanda forever. It's like, Wakanda forever. And then I was like, I, I really wanted to take a picture of this kid, but his like, his parents got all weird. And I'm but, like, not because they were like weirded out by like an adult line to take a picture of a child, but like, I low key think like this, this is my own conspiracy shit that they were mad that they like wanted like little, t- little, his name, his name is Terrence. <laughs> they wanted Terrence to like be Superman or uh, fucking The Flash or some, like, or some, like, white bullshit. But he, like, really likes Shuri, and he really likes Black Panther, so he wanted to be Shuri for Halloween. Um, so, and he was, and he's, like, his parents thought it was weird, but he's, like, what? Cool. Like, she's the coolest character, like, in it. <laughs> and, I, and I think she's smart and funny. And, and that was it. I'm like, I'm like, wow, like, that kid just decided that for himself. And that his parents might be like in a weird race, like I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm overthinking it, but like <laughs> I just thought it was cool. <laughs> I, I think yeah. you're right. I like that we're in a time now where little white kids feel confident and want to be these black characters like Luke Cage and Black Panther and Shuri, because they're because we're getting that representation that we never really got back in the day. I think that's awesome. Yeah, man. Like. Like I would be going, like I I would be going, like cause I, again, there there's no like you gotta like from from us growing up, you know, in the nineties there, there's Superman and like all all these white superheroes running around. All the only black people are like supporting like the the, the supporting black friend, yes. and, and like that's it. <laughs> In Superman, the only black character is like a guy they just created named Ron Troop, who's like a writer on Clark's paper, and he has like maybe two lines in the whole animated series. Or there's like Lucius Fox, who isn't cool until Morgan until Chris Nolan comes and casts Morgan Freeman as the part. So like, 
there, there's like zero black characters. I think I think there's like Steel, and that's it. There's Steel, but they do a terrible job writing him, and uh, because they don't know how to just like they don't know how to just write like just a guy. They're like, we have to write a black man. <laughs> yeah, which uh, it's interesting so, to see people do that because you can yeah, tell man, when they don't have that black voice. Oh yeah, you can tell, and, and, and it's painful. Like, and, and again, I'm not like against someone white making you know or writing a black character, but yo, know, you better do some research. You because uh, you better. Uh, get underneath that culture and uh, you better consult and interview and talk to as many people as possible and figure out that experience and really just uh, like as a writer you, you have to be empathetic and just expose the character's humanity at all times and you know I felt they did that you know with uh, Into the Spider-Verse um, because one thing that they didn't do in the comics, even though I love Miles Morales, I like that Miles like is speaking Spanish with his mom, because his mom is Puerto Rican and his dad is a hundred percent black. Yes. Um, but they never like talk about like oh like you know like his mom. He probably knows Spanish. Like they show him and his mom speaking Spanish together. Um, and like the writers, the writers, the writers are all white for Spider Verse, but that guy. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Um, I'm Miller, I forget. Miller and Lloyd. Yes, yes. Uh, Phil Lord. He, he like traveled, told the story. He just traveled to Brooklyn. He traveled where like the character is from, and he traveled and asked friends if he could like sit in, uh, and, like pretend to be like a substitute, like teaching assistant, and just to like see how these kids behave. For like a month, just so he can really get invested and get, because he's like, we have to have that energy and have that voice in this movie because it's really important. Because um, that's how we're going to connect to our lead. I want to connect to our lead because if I'm connected to our lead, our audience will connect to our lead. Um, so they do all that, do all that heavy lifting and heavy work. They don't just sit around and go like, oh, let me like imagine what black people like talk like. Let me turn on 106 and Park or some shit. Um, I'm not trying to diss 106 and Park. <laughs> like, uh, but I'm just saying, like, you know, they they did doing the groundwork and empathy and exposing the character. The character's humanity is extremely paramount when it comes to being a writer and when it comes to writing someone whose experience is different from yours. Like, like my next comic book is about someone that I, like, I have, my next comic book is about a gay uh, Afro-Latino woman. I have no experience with that. Um, but, like, it's about this girl who's coming out to her family during an alien invasion. That sounds and, cool. Uh, it's called Nightmare in Newark, and she has lots of anxiety about coming out to her family. So... And I'm like, okay, like, I've never had to, like, I've had to, like, tell my mom something I'm ashamed of, but, like, that's a whole nother thing, you know? Like, like, it, like the gravity of, like, hey, mom, I, I, failed, I failed science or I failed college or some shit is totally different from telling someone who's really conservative, like, hey, you know, 
I, I like girls or like, Hey, I'm, I'm a guy and I like guys or something. So like I organized a time, um, to interview mainly people of color. What's it like to come out to your family and to be like black <laughs> or to be Puerto Rican and come out to uh, your family? Because like our, our community, we still, we still have issues and problems with LGBTQ, um, relations. So it's, it's like a different thing from like a white person coming out, you know, to their family. And, uh, and I purposely interviewed both like white people and black people. Like I interviewed this white girl the other day about, yo, what was it like coming out to your family? And she was like, Oh, it was fine. It was okay. I told them and we went to go see bridesmaids or some bullshit. But like <laughs> I interviewed this dude who was from like Tennessee and he came out to his family in 2013. And he hasn't spoken to his family since 2013. He's like a, a successful, um, I forget, he, he's like a Wall Street, he's, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm a, I can't say his name. Um, he's successful in Wall Street, is, is, is what I'll say. Um, he's successful in Wall Street, and he, uh, told me he came out to his family in 2013 and he comes from a really poor family in Tennessee and his family won't speak to him. He tries to send them money and they don't want his money because he's gay. And like that, that's like a serious, like unimaginable crazy thing that he's, that he goes through every single day. So like for me writing this character, I needed to know what that weight is so I can like connect to my character like you gotta like know everything about your character. You gotta know your character when it comes to, to being a writer, like knowing how they'll react in a room, know what they'll say in any situation. Um, and you have to know them like you know a family member. Uh, you have to know them like you know your best friend. Um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I cough because I drank my Coca Cola really fast, not because <laughs> I have Corona. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the con that concept? That's an interesting concept of a young girl coming out during a during a, a alien invasion. That's a pretty cool concept. I, yeah, I came up with it because like I got approached by. Thank you. First of all, I got approached by like a publisher who was a fan of Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer, and uh, they wanted to like commission me to write like a, a short horror anthology. For them, um, like just like a, like a like a twelve panel horror short story, and they were going to pay me and uh, Cortland Ellis, the amazing artist who draws Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer, um, to do it. And I said, "Cool, awesome." And I was trying to think of like horror things, and at the time, I, I lost my apartment uh, because there was like a bed bug infestation, and like. <clears throat> I lost my apartment because of like bed bugs and the landlord was really like shady. Um, and then one of my, it turns out, like, I think we found out that the landlord apparently had planted, uh, bed bugs in like the building. Cause it was, it was just, just so he could raise the rent. So I'm like, um, it, it, it started from there. I'm like, Oh, what if I just did a story about like bed bugs invading, your your building but they're actually like big aliens or something and i started from there and then i'm like oh like i should make this like 
where's the humanity in this? And uh, at first I was going to make it about a black dude who was telling his family that he's dating a white girl and he's going to marry a white girl. Um, and I was like, all right, like I'll make it about that. But something about that just like, it didn't really feel like the stakes were that high <laughs> to me. Um, so I was writing it and I was like, man, this is kind of boring. This is kind of whack. And, uh, his little sister, uh, was going to be like the supporting character in it. And his little sister was just like, um, I wrote her as like, I, I made her gay. And, uh, she was like, Oh, like and she was really, and I had lots of fun writing her. And like, she was really fun and really witty. And I really related to her. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I should just make it about her <laughs> and like cut out this other guy. Um, so I was writing it for this publishing company and they, I think the editor left the project. So the publisher, the publishing company got, um, I think they went out of business or something. And so I was like, okay, like I never told them about this idea. So I'm just going to continue working on it and making my own thing. And and here we are, <laughs> and it's Nightmare in Newark. <laughs> wow, that's a really cool cousin. But also, I don't want to just skip over this fact. Your landlord planted bed bugs in the apartment. Wait, say, say it again. So your landlord planted bed bugs in the apartment. Well, that was the consensus because like bed bugs showed up, and then like. Everyone had to leave, but we ended up taking care of the problem. Um, they got like exterminators, and I think we all had to pay an extra two hundred bucks <clears throat> for the landlord to uh, get exterminators to like spray the whole building, and then everything was fine. And then like you know, it was a rent-controlled building, and then out of out of nowhere, like. Bigger, deadly, well, no, I shouldn't say deadly, but bigger, like, uh, bed bugs came. And, like, I was out of town at the time, and I wasn't, I think I was subletting my apartment at the time. And, like, my roommates just said, like, yo, building is gone to hell. Like, I woke up, and, like, a bed bug was biting my toes, and there's bed bugs all in the ceiling. There's bed bugs in the closet, and there's bed bugs all over our clothes. Like, it's a, like a total infestation and my roommates lost a bunch of clothes and had to throw away a lot of stuff and light things on fire. It was like a complete mess. That is crazy to say the least. That is a wild thing to happen. Yeah, man. All right, let's get into your book. Where did you come up with the concept of Harriet Tugman Demons Lane? Cause I think it's a fascinating concept. Thank you. Um, thank you. Appreciate it. I I basically uh what's it called? Um I, I was an actor, oh I still am an actor, but like I was struggling with auditioning in the city and I had three big auditions and uh didn't get any of them. Um and my mom my parents were just like, Hey, like you sound really stressed out. If you don't get any of these auditions, like you should come live with us in Ghana, West Africa. And I'm like all right, I'll do that. So, and I had never been to, you know, Ghana, West Africa my whole life. Like my whole life, I've always been in America. Like maybe I, I, I visited Canada when I was five, but that was it. 
again, my whole life has been New Jersey and New York. Um, so like I traveled, I think everyone should do it. Everyone should, uh, what's it called? Travel, um, and leave America and stay in Ghana, West Africa, especially black people. We need to do it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I left that. I bowed. I did eat, pray, love the black male version and did like the Dave Chappelle broke version. I'm going to Africa. So I'm in Africa and I love it. Food is great. People are great. I'm really connecting to like my source and my people and I'm praying and meditating a lot and uh, just an amazing, beautiful experience. So one day I was uh, watching TV and um, I'm watching TV and there's a Harriet Tubman documentary on and I'm watching this Harriet Tubman documentary. I'm like, love it. Love Harriet Tubman. And I think like they were celebrating Harriet Tubman because Harriet Tubman's, um, her background, they traced her roots to Ghana. So like she's highly celebrated in Ghana. Um, so I'm watching that. And then once the, that program ends, like that documentary about Harriet Tubman ends immediately. Um, I think I was channel surfing after that. And I stumbled on Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but like the ending of Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where like they're, it's like Zhang Z and um, who else? It, it's Zhang Z and Michelle Yao having like a katana fight. And I'm like, oh, dope. I love this movie. This is my favorite part. And like I watched the movie. So good. So great. And more, and then more channel surfing. And then uh, I ended up stumbling on, uh, what's it called? Um, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. And I'm like, oh, dope. I'm like, I'm, let me watch this movie right quick. I'm going to watch Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters in, in, in like motherfucking Africa. This is great. I love it. I love my life right now. But like, <laughs> it, was a, it was a terrible movie, unfortunately. Like, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good movie at all. It had like a really cool concept, but it was such a bad movie. <laughs> that was bad. Not a good movie. Yeah. At all. Say it again. It's not a good movie at all. At <laughs> least it. Yeah, not good. Cool concept. Really dope, fun concept, but like terrible execution. Like no offense to any writer to the, to the writers and directors of that movie because it's hard to make a good movie. But like, you know, like it, it was just bad. I thought they could have done so much more with that premise. So I'm like, this premise really sucks. Anywho. Um, premise is bad. The following evening, I'm writing in my journal. I'm just writing about like, you know, my experiences for the day. And I'm just like, I write down that I watched Harriet Tubman and uh, everything that I did for the whole day. And these three things kind of just stood out in my head. And it was Harriet Tubman, Katana fight scene, and Witch Hunter. And I just kind of thought for a second and I was like, Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. Holy shit. So I'm like, I just remember circling it and underlining it, and it was just like Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. I don't know what it is. I just think it's a cool concept and a cool story. And at the time, I wasn't really writing a lot. So I didn't know, like, I'm like, is it a movie? I don't have, like, billions of dollars to make this a movie. I'm like, I'm like I had no idea what it was. So I was, when I got back into the States, you know, I flew over. 
got back into America and like, I don't know, like <laughs> when you, you know, when you're in an airport and they have those bookstores that have like yes. overpriced and shit. <laughs> um, I, I saw, a, I saw a, how to write comic books by my favorite author, Brian Michael Bendis or like, um, he, he, he's the guy that wrote the entire ultimate Spider-Man series and he created Miles Morales. Um, and he had a book called words for pictures, how to make comics. And I'm like, that's it. It's a comic book. I'll make it a comic book. So, um, so I waited a day and I ordered the book on Amazon because that shit is expensive <laughs> at the airport. I'm like, I ain't spending $50. I'm going to order this on Amazon. It's been like $11. And that was that. And I read the book and, uh, read the book. I'm like, a week and uh, started working on the script for Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. And then um, it took a while. It like lived in my head for like a couple of months. And then I was like, okay, I got to take steps to make this happen. So I found like, I made a logo for it, made a whole logo and uh, made a whole logo. And then I found Cortland Ellis on Facebook. I said, Hey man, your stuff is awesome. Can you please like, do Harriet Tubman, do my book for me. And he's like, okay, what's your book called? I said, it's called Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. And he said, we're going to get in so much trouble. Let's do it. And I was like, cool. <laughs> and he drew the cover of issue one, which is like this iconic thing. And uh, he was like, okay, what do you want the cover to look like? And I'm like, I want it to be Harriet Tubman looking at us intense. And like, I want katanas crossing her face. And I want her to like have a, a heart shaped uh, head. I have a weird way of describing people, but I was like, I want her to have her head wrap on. I want her to have like the katanas crossing her face. And in, in the reflection of the katanas, I want them to be like demons and like vampires and all that other stuff, like go crazy with it. Um, and, uh, and then I, I was like, I was like, Hey, like base her off. Like, I think I gave her, I gave him like examples. I'm like, I want her to be based off Whoopi Goldberg. I want her to be based off Eartha Kitt. And I want her to be based off of, uh, what's her name? Uh, Taraji P. Henson, because Taraji P. Henson, like, just looks like a, like an anime character. Cause she has like big expressive anime eyes. Yes. Um, I, I wouldn't cast Taraji P. Henson, like as, as my version of Harriet Tubman, but I'm like, for for this for this purposes of like just visually like this is just for visual aesthetic um, for the comic and he was like right, cool and like two weeks later he had like a cover and I had this really ugly logo and he said hey like, can I redesign the logo it's kind of ugly um, and I was like I was like you motherfucker go right ahead <laughs> and he did and he he redesigned uh, the logo and like I was like okay that looks really cool and here we are. Uh, but, but again, like, I think I, I shared it on like social media. I'm like, Hey guys, like I'm going to be making a comic. This is my first comic and I'm just doing it for fun. Um, and I shared it on social media and then like, I found out it went viral. Like it was everywhere. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I thought someone had like hacked my phone, but so I, I never, like, I, you know, I'm not like, I got a bunch of notifications on my Facebook and on my Instagram and on my Twitter. And I, I thought something like terrible happened, but people were just constantly talking about my book and it was all over the place. And I was like, geez. Um, 
and I was working toward uh, figuring out how to do it because making a comic is really expensive. They, they don't like tell you how expensive it is. <laughs> uh, so I was, you know, again, just trying to like figure out how to do it, how to go about making the book and producing the book. And so I just, uh, what's it called? Um, I like, I think I was going to do something with an investor and the, this guy who was going to invest in the book and he's like a horror film. Uh, I say that with quotation, he's a producer. Um, but he turned out to be super duper flaky and, and like kind of weird. So I just like walked away from working with this gentleman. Um, and I'm like, okay, let me just relax because doing this is a lot of work and it's really hard to do. Let me just take some rest and do other stuff. Like Hillary Clinton's going to be president. Everything's going to be all right. Like <laughs> Barack, Obama, Barack Obama is leaving on a high note. And like, we're going to have our first like female president. Like that's going to be like the, like who's going to be like the number one most famous person in the world. First female president. This is crazy. So then the next day <laughs> when that shit did not happen, I like, again, the whole world is different, you know, very upsetting, you know, first person in history who was endorsed by the Ku Klux Klan is now president. Yep. So, so it's yeah. So it's like really weird. And I got I got a call from a friend of mine, um, my friend Alex, and she was like crying and just upset. <laughs> and she just was like, "Yo, I, I, that." I told her about my comic book, and she was like, "I need to see that happen." And I'm like, "What?" And she's like, "So, like, dude, I have never been this depressed in my life." Like a racist is running the country and a bunch of racist people feel empowered and feel emboldened. Like I need to see a black woman kicking ass <laughs> right now. And I was like, okay, I got it. Um, so I got off the phone with her and uh, like, I, I still was like, how am I going to do this? Cause I don't want to do Kickstarter. I think I went to the grocery store to buy like, sugary bad food so I could eat it <laughs> and like watch Luke Cage and like eat my feelings and uh, so I think uh, I was buying food and I was in line and I, I, I think I drove over to this grocery store that's in a totally white neighborhood and also a con kind of a conservative white neighborhood and like there was a long line and I'm like man what's going on and there was a cashier who was Muslim who had a hijab on. And no one was going to her line. And I was wondering, like, is something wrong with her register? And all these white people were like, nothing's wrong with her register. She's fine. And I'm like, oh, wait, I get it. You're all, like, mad racist and you're afraid to go to her line. <laughs> like, you all should feel embarrassed and stupid. So I went to um, – <laughs> I went – I think her, her name was Pooja. I went to Pooja's line. And she checked me out and, you know, I gave her an encouraging smile. And uh, I was like, man, those white people are ridiculous. They refuse to go to this woman's line. And they, like, think it's an okay thing to be that racist and to be that, like, like embarrassing. 
And like I'm getting into my car, and this white guy uh, who's like in like deer hunting uniform, he said some like dumb shit to me. He's like, "Hey man, you're brave." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "You're brave for going to her line." And I'm like, "Dude, she's been working here for like six years. What the fuck is your problem?" I I didn't say that, but, <laughs> but I like looked at him like to say that. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, the world's like different and disgusting now. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go make that comic book. And you know, we did a Kickstarter and raised the money to make it, and that was that. Here we are. Yeah, that's fascinating. That all that stuff happened. Like it was almost a perfect storm of stuff happening to make this the book to come out at the right time. Yeah, it, it really just kind of it, it lined up at the you know the perfect time. I mean. Uh, that like I wasn't going to really do anything, but like it's really sad that Donald Trump's um, presidency is what like I had to be inspired through my own anger and my own like the catharsis of that anger was drawing like Harriet Tubman killing white demons, <laughs> <laughs> like killing white vampires. Okay, like there's white people that help her out too, so it's not like you know, it's not like Harriet Tubman kills a bunch of white people. You know, it's of that theory of everybody versus racism. <laughs> so, 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 so there's that because, like, you know, so some. Like, actually, no one has said to me, like, oh, my God, your book is racist towards white people. You hate white people. And then I'm like, you know, calm down, Terry Cream. Like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> you it, know, it, like, relax. It's like Django, essentially. Yeah. It, 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 that's how I've always pitched and described it. I've always been like, it's Django Unchained meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, that's a perfect explanation for it. It's Django Unchained meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cool concept. Let them know the plot of it, because I want to tell the plot of your your book. Wait, say it again. So let let them know the plot of it, because I don't want to tell the plot of your book. Uh, well, basically, um, Harriet Tubman has to lead a family of slaves to freedom, while also like battling werewolves and demons and witches and vampires. Like she meets this family like she, uh, and then saves them from vampires. And then she decides to lead them to freedom or like help them be led to freedom. They are, they're already escaping, but like, and they don't know vampires and demons and werewolves and witches exist uh, because they're usually like being slaves, picking cotton and working through the day. And then they sleep. But Harriet Tubman knows this because uh, she's the chosen one and she's embodied with superhuman strength. And like martial arts fighting ability to take on all those demons, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, basically it's based on this storyline. Well, not storyline. This thing that actually happened, where they found out who Harriet Tubman was. Like slave owners found out who she was, and they found out her name, and they found out what she looks like. So they put a bounty on her head. Um, they used to say it was like forty five thousand dollars. Um, but it was, it's actually, it was, I think the bounty was for like $800. Um, there's been a bunch of different, no one knows. <laughs> for, for my comic books, I went with $45,000 because again, she was also considered the most dangerous person in America. Like she's literally snatching, uh, to, to white slave owners, she's snatching property. 
and and like uh, snatching up their property and like stealing it, and also inspiring other people, other slaves to run away. So she's like starting this like quiet, silent little movement, and uh, that's like dangerous to them. Because not only, not, not only is she posing like kind of a physical threat, she's posing an emotional, free thought threat. So like, they, when they found her, like the bounty was really high, and people were hunting her, but they never caught her. So I base it off that. Like, okay, like what if that happens? But in my book, but like the bounty is for forty five thousand dollars, and since slave owners are kind of overwhelmed and they can't like stop her, they just decide to like team up with this like ancient like demonic entity and uh commission them to uh hunt her down and wear her out and then like kill her because they can't do anything because Harriet Tubman as a ninja ninja warrior with like superhuman strength like she's not ordinary like she's a one woman army so uh so yeah (laughs) that's Harriet Tubman demon plant I like it I like it a lot let me ask you this question. We t- touched on it a little earlier. If this was to be made into a movie, who would you like to see play Harriet Tugman? Uh, Samira, Samira Wiley from Orange is the New Black. And um, she's on Orange is the New Black, and she's on that show on uh, Hulu, um, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, that's who I would cast as Harriet Tubman because she is, like, I don't know, with Harriet Tubman, like, you, you have to have someone like even like forget my comic there has to be like a balance of like strength and femininity like I think someone told me like there's like something also it was, it was actually a woman said this to me I thought that was interesting like there has to be like like this balance of masculine energy and like feminine energy like for Harriet Tubman um and I'm like I was like okay that's interesting I'm like alright um but just when I saw like uh, Samira Wiley, there was like a silent strength to her, but she's also like really funny and really jovial. And um, also like Harriet Tubman is really short, but insanely fit. Uh, Harriet Tubman was four foot 11. Um, and Samira Wiley is like five foot one. So yeah, if this ever was a movie or a TV show, she would be perfect because she has like a full, the full range to pull off the action adventure angle and to do stunts. And you know, she's a great actress on top of it. Okay, I like that answer. Final question: Where do you think you want to take this story? And also, what are your aspirations and things that you want to work on next after Harriet Tugman Demon Slayer? Um, eventually, Harriet Tubman is going to meet Abraham Lincoln, and uh, they will not get along. <laughs> they are not going to get along, and they are not going to like each other. Um, I will. Uh, I will. I'm not going to say bad necessarily bad things about Abraham Lincoln, but I will say very honest things that get left out. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so, so eventually her and Abraham Lincoln are going to have to team up. And again, they're not going to get along at all. And they'll probably have to fight like Dracula, maybe Dracula. And then 
will eventually be in the Civil War and uh, the Civil War. But what does the Civil War look like when there's like vampires and demons and witches and werewolves now? Like, like what does that look like <laughs> in this world? Uh, so yeah, that that's awesome. where I plan on. Yeah, that, that's where I plan on uh, taking the story. And, uh, you know, if this can be like a movie or a TV series or a video game, I'm open to that as well. Awesome. I like that. Man, thank you for coming on, man. This has been awesome. I'll say it here, man. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Let them know where to find you at. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to follow me, uh, I'm on Instagram uh, and uh, Twitter at DCrownson. Um, you can follow my uh, company that I'm a partner at, Chocolate City Comic. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, and you know they publish um, or they allow me to self-publish my book, Harry Tubman Demon Slayer at Chocolate City Comics. Um, issue four, issue one, two, three, and four, you can buy them um, digitally at KateGameComics.com, which is a black-owned company, um, or you can order them physically uh, directly through me. Um, just PayPal, Venmo me, and I'll have it shipped to you. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, and you can like and follow Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer on Facebook for any news and updates. And uh, oh wait, I think you said other aspirations. Uh, other aspirations uh, after Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer, I would I want to write a Superman movie so badly. <laughs> okay, I like that idea. Yes, I want to do Superman, and I want the villain to be Brainiac. I want the villain to be Brainiac. And, um, yeah, and I would make Brainiac the scariest, coldest motherfucker in the world. Like, I'm tired of Lex Luthor. I'm tired of General Zod. Fuck, I'm tired of, of Doomsday. Uh, like, Brainiac is scary as hell because he's smart. He's just, Superman is not a genius. He's, he's just a guy. He, he's just a guy with incredible superpowers and has emotional intelligence and, like, empathy. But, like, Brainiac is, like, Batman, Lex Luthor-level genius, but, like, evil. And that shit's scary, because Clark can't, like, beat this thing by hitting. He can, but, like, he's dealing with someone who's extremely smarter than him and stronger than him. So, yeah, that shit's scary as hell, and I want that guy to be a villain (laughs) in a a Superman movie. Fuck Lex Luthor. Oh, I like I like that concept. <laughs> I like that concept. We gotta have you back on to talk about that concept then. Oh yeah, man, of course. I like I like wrote some fan fiction of it like just for fun in case I ever get that phone call. What up, Warner Brothers? Holler at me. Holler at me. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Thank you for coming on, brother. And as always, Delvin Cox we are out. Peace. Awesome. Thank you, Delvin. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you want more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There we have a bunch of exclusive episodes, including the video version of the Roast of Delvin Cox. You can't get the video version anywhere else but on Patreon, so make sure you check it out. Also, shout out to Patreon producer Ghost Rider UK.